0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining Jewish Stories and More. I'm recording this Motzi Shabbos, Saturday night, although you may not hear it until Sunday, or even further away, I don't know. But it's in connection with Malavah Malka. We know that there's a very special meal that we have Saturday night after Shabbos is over, called Malavamalka, Malka, accompanying the Queen. Accompanying the Shabbos, which is called a queen, on her way out. Just like if a queen would visit your home and it came time for her to leave, you wouldn't just say, okay, there's the door, bye, and expect her to walk out by herself. A queen is a royal person and therefore should be uh, treated very respectfully and accompanied. And therefore, if a queen visited your home when it came time for it to leave, or a king, then you would accompany that person along their way. And the same thing is that the Shabbos, which is compared to a queen, and sometimes a king, also has to be accompanied out. And that accompaniment is through a meal, a nice meal. Just like on Shabbos we have nice meals, so too. Mote Shabbos, the Malama Malka meal, the accompanying the queen meal or the king meal, is also a beautiful meal. It doesn't have to be a huge meal, but it should definitely have bread. And the, the table should be set nicely, similar to Shabbos. And there's a custom to have also a warm food. Some have a custom to have a hot liquid. Some have a custom to put candles in order that, not a, don't, don't say a blessing on the candles, but just to light candles. And all of these customs are in order to make the meal uh, an important meal. In any case, one of the most important elements of the meal is a story. The Torah, of course, but uh, there's a very strong custom to tell a story of a tzaddik as I've told the story before, that once someone asked the Rebbe, is it true that telling a story of a tzaddik on Noitzi Shabbos, Saturday night, at the Malava Malka is a segula, is fortuitous for Parnassa, for wealth. And the Rebbe answered not only on um, but any time, not only about the Baal Shem Tov but about any tzaddik. I think I might have said tzaddik in the first place, but the question was about the Baal Shem Tov that have been answered. Not only the Boshemtov, but any tzaddik, and not only is it a Sagula, is it fortuitous for pranasa, for a livelihood, but for everything. So it's always a good idea tell stories of tzaddikim. And we see that the Torah is full of stories of tzaddikim. Full. In any case, the story for tonight is briefly as follows. The Rosh Hashiva here in Cincinnati told this story that once some years after the shiva had started, the shiva is now about 18 years old, the financial situation of the yeshiva was very, very, very difficult. So much so that the Rosh yeshiva himself didn't know what to do. It seemed like a hopeless situation. He owed a lot of money to teachers, had to be paid by the next day. There were other expenses, and there just did not seem to be a source for the money that was needed, a shiva has to be financially solid. They can't live on air. The barum have to eat. The teachers have to be paid. The bills have to be paid. The electricity, um, whatever. Everything has to be done uh, with financial stability. So. Dr. Rosh Hashiva sat down and wrote a letter to the Rebbe. And he wrote, I don't understand the Rebbe. Here I'm trying to make a yeshiva, which is mamish in the ruach of the Rebbe. Mamish teaching the Bachram how the Rebbe taught us and with the passion and so forth. And we're not surviving not surviving." Yeshiva is not surviving. There is so much financial hardship. We can't go on like this. I don't know what to do. And he felt very, very bad about it. He took the letter, he put it into one of the book of the Rebbe's letters at random, and opened it to see what the answer there was. The Rebbe said something along this line. I understand that you feel that because you are trying to follow my instructions, you have gotten into an impossible situation, a a situation of tremendous hardship. But you should know that the obstacles that you're facing um, only appear to be obstacles. And very soon, You'll be able to overcome these obstacles, something like that. So, of course, the Rosh Shiva felt good, that's a very nice answer. But at the same time, he did not see any way for the problem to be solved. He didn't understand any possibility of the money coming from anywhere that the Shiva needed, and it was needed immediately. With these troubling thoughts, depressing thoughts, he fell asleep in his clothes, on the couch. And he woke up late the next morning. I think he might have actually been sleeping on a couch in the yeshiva. He woke up late. There had been an earlier minion at 8 o'clock for some Bachrim that were on their way to the airport for some reason. Family Simkla, perhaps. And then there was the regular minyan nine o'clock following the study of Hasidus. But there was Shiva had been up very late and was had woken up late. By the time he got back from the mikveh, it was already 9.30. And the bachram who were on the way to the airport were about to leave. But as he came in, came into the dining room, the bachram... Said Rabbi, we just had the strangest thing happen. Somebody drove up in a nice car. In fact, he had a driver. He came out of his car, and he asked to come into the yeshiva. So we let him in, and he said, where is the rabbi? Where is the rabbi of the yeshiva? So we said, well, we don't know. He should be here pretty soon and meanwhile we brought him a little tour around the yeshiva we showed him the yeshiva went around the yeshiva and then we danced with him a little bit we put on tefillin with him Uh, you know we tried to give him a nice time but we didn't know who he was and before he left he gave us his card and he said please tell the rabbi to call me and they gave him the card. The Rosh Hashiva looked at the card. It said on there the name of a big gvir, a very, very wealthy person who gave a lot of money to um, institutions in the city, orthodox institutions, but a person that had not given anything to the yeshiva for many years, the Rosh Hashiva had been trying to get this person to give money, and he had not given any money. Now, all of a sudden, he came to visit the yeshiva, and he left his card. The rabbi should call him. So, of course, the Rosh Hashiva called him right away, and uh, they talked a little bit, and the Rosh Hashiva said, uh, Tell me, please, why did you decide to come to the yeshiva today? So the wealthy man said, the truth is I don't know. I just had a feeling that I should come to the yeshiva today. So I came. The yeshiva said, "You know, I'm very, very sorry that I was not here when you were here. It was an unusual very late night. Um, but I will tell you why you came to the yeshiva. You see... We have a very, very difficult financial situation. And last night I wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking for his bracha. And uh, his bracha was that you should come to the yeshiva. Come looking for me to help us out. And thus began a very, very, very warm relationship between this very, very wealthy Jew and the yeshiva. And for a couple of years, he was the main supporter of the yeshiva. He kept the yeshiva afloat. He bought a, bu- a build additional building for the yeshiva, and that indirectly brought in a lot, a lot of money from the government because it was a building that was already officially a school. It passed all of the prerequisites and obligations that the government needs. Is in order to give grants of money. And really, the yeshiva from this was given eventually hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this helped to bring the yeshiva to a financially solid situation. Amazing story, truly an amazing story. We see that when a person sincerely writes a letter to the Rebbe for something that's really needed, something that's really important, or maybe just important to that person, the Rebbe responds. How it works, I don't know. But it obviously works. As the Rebbe said about his father-in-law, after his, his talkus, after his passing, that people should continue to write to the Rebbe, meaning his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, because the Rebbe will find a way to answer. And obviously this is true also with our Rebbe, that the Rebbe is alive in some way that we don't understand, because obviously we can go to the gravesite. there is the gravesite. And nevertheless, in some way, as we say in this famous song, David melech Melech's Kayam, At Sile continues to live, or as the Gemara says about Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, meis. Moses did not die. Yaakov, meis. Yaakov did not die. Ah, it's true that we see the gravesites of these people, not Moshe, which is hidden, but David and Melech, gravesite, it's there. Yaakov Avinu, it's a grave site. But nevertheless, the Torah tells us that they didn't die. And somehow or another, they remain alive and accessible. And we can receive baruchas and instructions and so forth through the through the letters that we write. Really a mashiachic idea. And speaking of mashiach, the, the medrash tells us That when Mashiach comes, when the Geula comes, Mashiach is fully revealed, then the earth will bring forth bread. A moti lecham min audits, that just like the blessing that we say now, Hashem brings forth bread from the earth. Today we have only wheat from the earth, and we have to grind it and put it turn into flour and so forth in order to have bread. But in the future. Will be a moti, lechem, and audits that ready to eat bread will come forth from the earth, just like today. Ready to eat fruits, hang on the trees, ready to eat vegetables, come from the earth. In the future, also ready to eat bread will come from the earth. May it be very soon and very quickly. And as it's always important to emphasize, if not every day, quite often, that there's a very serious war continuing in Israel. And even though we are accomplishing miraculous military progress against our enemies, Baruch Hashem, we are killing many, many, many thousands of our enemies. But nevertheless, we still have a long ways to go. And what gives our army strength? One of the things that gives our army strength It's when other Jewish people who are not in the army are fighting for the army by increasing in Torah and mitzvahs, increasing learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, acts of goodness and kindness, davening, and having in mind that all of this should help our soldiers in the IDF and the... the, um, men and women of the police force and the Shinbet and so forth, all these other organizations that are helping in the war effort, that they are strengthened through our tefillos and our learning ta'idah and our doing mitzvahs. And therefore we should increase and increase including and especially learning about Mashiach and Gula, which is the derecha Yasha, the most direct way for Mashiach to come and for the Gula to come. May it happen immediately. Thank you so much for joining Jewish Stories and more. And thank you especially for your efforts in Torah and in mitzvahs.